All right, it's Culture Cast Day. Happy Darn Tuesday, and happy, happy welcome to my <laughs> dear friend Edna Primrose. OMG, welcome to Culture Cast. Thank you, Marisa. I'm so excited to be here. It's like a dream come true. Culture I, Day. Yeah, I know Culture Day. I feel like we should be sitting in the same room, just chatting and having a cocktail. Oh yeah, cocktails for this. But <laughs> hey, let us just celebrate the fact that. I am chatting with a badass, kick-ass leader, female leader. And you know what I just realized? Today is Equal Pay Day. You know what that Ooh. is? Equal Pay yep. Day. It is Women's History Month. Yep. Who knew that it takes until this many days into the year for women to be paid equally to men? What up it's, with that? It's crazy. It's crazy. It's wrong. Just so wrong. Like, so wrong. And here, here's the deal, everyone. Let's just celebrate the fact that maybe this day will move up as we move along in our lifetime. But I um, want to celebrate the fact there's a lot of badass working women and men out there and who are probably helping to help with the equity. And I also want to say this. Last week, when I was on with Dina, I was getting a lot of people texting me like, hey, Marisa, blah, 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 you know, saying hi on the comments. Hey, if you're on, because I've found out that um, when folks have been on, instead of commenting on on LinkedIn, they might be watching from somewhere else, just pop into the comments and say hi. It'd be great to see you and acknowledge what your questions are and uh, what, you're, you know, what you want us to comment on. So anyway, that's a quick housekeeping thing. But anyway, let's get into you, Adna. I'm super excited <laughs> to have you and talk about CultureCast and talk about this culture that I think you've created in your lifetime which is all around creating access to education for young people. And before we get into that whole culture thing, you know, you've got a really diverse background. So what I'd love to do is just have you talk about like, who is Edna and how did you make this journey into education? So let's, Aww. I want to hear. All right. Well that, you know, I've, I've been around the sun uh, quite a few times. So, um, I'll try to make it short. <laughs> well, you know, my mom always emphasized education when I was growing up, um, particularly as a way for us to improve our lives. And it was really central to my childhood. So by the time I went to college, um, I really had an interest in education professionally. Um, ultimately, what I did was I majored in business administration with a concentration in finance. And then I ended up leading like multi-billion dollar organizations geared towards youth education. So my first job was for a labor union right out of college. And I learned a lot about workers' rights, about civil rights, um, and a lot about apprenticeship as an, as an alternative education and training model for people that really works, you know, and helps them to, uh, to build their skills and then to become successful in the industry. And then from there, um, I went to... Uh, the Job Corps program, which is a, a national education and training program for youth between 16 and 24. So I ended up working in that for about 14 years, working every day with students, everything from that to working in a corporate office and then becoming national director of Job Corps. And uh, after that, I, I went to the USDA and worked very much on our student internship programs and, and how to grow employees and, you know, uh, also started a mentorship program while I was there. And now, you know, now that I'm retired, 
I have my own company, Differenza. Uh, we're focused on workforce development and community development, particularly water access and equity. So I've really pretty much spent my whole career um, and life focusing on education, helping to make a difference in your life because I've seen it and I've lived it. I bet. I mean, and let's not, let's also highlight this because you are so badass. I mean, <laughs> you became president of Towson University's foundation, your alma mater, or you're, you know, you're an alum, yeah. alum of it. I, hello, you know, you and I, <laughs> what a full circle moment. Talk about education and then coming back and, you know, giving and being this president, pretty phenomenal. Yeah, it, it is. Um, I would say it's a dream come true, but I never dreamed of it. You know, it's, it's interesting when you open yourself up to possibilities in your life. And I remember being asked a little over six years ago about potentially serving on the foundation board. And I just remember thinking like, why me? And my Towson said, why not you? You know, so I wanted to be part of the change and it was, it was really an honor. So when I think about when I left Towson, um, I was pregnant, I didn't have a job. I didn't know what my future would hold and Towson gave me the foundation for the career I have today. So it's it's really cool and fun to give back. And I'm still mentoring students through the College of Business and Economics. And, you know, wherever I see students, you know, I, I love talking to them and I learn a lot from them. Um, and I also ended up starting a scholarship at Towson in honor of my mom because my mother sacrificed so much when I was there. And Financially, it was a struggle. It was a struggle every semester. So I created the Primrose Better Scholarship um, in Prince George's County, where I lived at the time, to you know to keep keep paying it forward and to give an opportunity for a student to not have uh, financial reasons be the reason why they couldn't finish. Well, it just seems like it's in your blood to cultivate people. You know, it's, it's yeah. since you. College. And actually, I want to go back when you were talking about working in these multi-billion dollar corporations and focusing on youth education and also learning about workers' rights. I'm curious, like, what themes did you see, you know, early, early on that, you know, created a foundation? I'm assuming it probably created a foundation for your pathway. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, and again, you know, my mom was very active, you know, active in her union, active in civil rights. So, you know, I definitely got a foundation there uh, with Dr. King and other critical civil rights leaders. And once I started working for the union, I really learned a lot more about equity, equity at work, equity and pay, um, you know, getting paid to do the same job uh, and, and making sure that you're being compensated properly. I think the other piece about it is creating opportunities for people who aren't always seen. So I was doing a pilot project to bring more women and minorities into the construction industry at the time. And um, it was a very interesting journey, but I was grateful that the union I worked for embraced that and wanted to be a leader to do that. So once you start conversations, you can really get a lot of momentum and find others who are who are just as passionate as you are. So I think that that, you know, that really laid laid a great foundation. And then, of course, just looking at the work environment itself. So as I went in and out of the public and private sector, I was able to focus on creating the kind of work culture we all want to live in and just really, really dialing in on that and, and, and digging deep, deeply on that. 
Yeah, I, I hear you on the equity piece. And I'm glad that you talked about that, um, especially early on. And I know sometimes people equate unions with negativity, at least com public companies today. I think there's a lesson to be learned, though, around equity and what that really means. You know, it goes beyond pay, although today is pay equity day for women. Um, it is about creating access to opportunities and just kind of picking back up on what you said when you were leaving school, you know, you didn't know what you're going to do, you were pregnant, etc. And I think providing options and educating people on the possibility, right, of what opportunity can be, and what they could be capable of doing if they even dream to dream it, you know, yeah. I think hearing you talk about, especially again, another badass move, creating access to women and women and minorities in construction, you know, that early, early day. Yeah. And so um, it's, it's so fun to hear that example because getting to know you, I mean, it, it feels like that's just a consistent vibe and the kind of culture that you've created in every one of these opportunities. Yeah, I think so. It, it, it's really important to me. You know, I, my motto is with great power comes great responsibility. And yes, I know it's Spider-Man, Stan Lee, but yeah. Voltaire is the, is the originator of it. So I'm going OG there. Um, but, but for me, like I'm the first person in my family to graduate from college. And in, in the spaces where I've shown up, um, I've been either the first woman or first black woman. And I want to bring people with me, you know, so I really do take it to heart to use the opportunities that I have to bring others with me and to share my experiences and to create all kinds of opportunities. And so it's it's uh, it's very rewarding. It's something I'm deeply, deeply passionate about. And it kind of resonates in, in every job I have, no matter how small or large the organization that's awesome. And if I think about like bringing others along, I think you're touching on this definition of how you define culture, because I think what you said earlier is about, you know, creating strong work cultures everywhere you've been. So how would you describe that or how would you define creating that kind of culture? What does it feel like? What does it look like? Mm, that's a good question. You always ask such great questions. Um, so for me, I think it's like, how would I want to be treated in the workplace, right? Um, making sure people feel valued, um, taking the time to listen. So that's something I had to really develop is my listening skills. You know, I'm like an oldest child, so I always want to like charge right in. And so I had to had to learn to just hold back a little bit and listen. And it's just that's where the richness is. Right. And not only that, but also provide promotional opportunities for people to grow. So yeah. when I was in Job Corps, one of the things I used to say is that we taught uh, youth how to dream. We teach students how to dream because they never even envision what was possible. And when I look at my career, um, I think that opportunities came to me at the time they were supposed to, and then I was able to capitalize on them. But it's not like I crafted it that way. So, you know, you, you need to be ready when the opportunities come. But then I think you also need to get the tools to, to do that. So I've been fortunate to be in charge of um, employee training programs, professional development programs, student development programs where I can be an influencer in um, cultivating the kind of uh, experiential learning that they can get and also, you know, learn more about the, um, the philosophies and principles behind it. So, yeah, it's it's yeah, it, it's been it's been really great. And, and I think that, um, 
having leaders who want to do it is important because I have workplaces where leaders said they wanted it, but they didn't really want it. Um, and that makes it so much harder. So, you know, as you know, Maurice, because you're a flawless, incredible, impactful leader, you know that it starts at the top. So when I'm in positions like that, that's the culture I want to create. Oh, my goodness. I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth. I always say this at the end of the day, culture is a reflection of leadership. It starts there. It does. You know, I love how you describe, too, for leaders. And you talked about you building the skill of listening, right? Do leaders ask the questions and then shut up? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. OK, I'm going to ask you, but I'm not going to answer your question. Like, literally understand how people are feeling get picking up the vibe. I think that's really critical what you said about listening and building culture. I also love that you talked about too, like treating people the way they want to be treated. Yeah. Which is different than the golden rule. I always talk about that too. Like in, in grade school it was always like, oh, treat people the way you want to be treated. Actually, no, it's, I love what you said, treat people the way they want to be treated. Right. And then I think the last thing that I heard too, which is just so a theme for you, when I think about you, it's like, how do you create this culture of growth and development? You know, and um, in that, how do you create the opportunities so that when people are ready, they can step into it? Yeah. And then I think you also talked about the leadership piece, which is, and I think the role that leaders play in, in um, helping cultures live is actually inspiring employees to dream. You know, I'm, I'm a big believer in inspiring confidence in others when they don't otherwise feel that confident, right. you know, putting that opportunity in front of them and saying, all right, you can do this. And what do you need to do to get ready? And then how can I help you? It's kind of what I'm hearing you say. Yeah, absolutely. You know, let the freak flag fly. Let's, let's just let's just do this. <laughs> because, well, I, you know, <laughs> I think about people taking a chance on me and and it's also great because sometimes people see something in you that you don't see in yourself. You know, we're we're too often our own worst critics, you know, and, and I think about some of the jobs that I even went for. Like it hadn't occurred to me to even try. And then someone said, hey, why don't you do this? You know, and and I did. And I had a lot of help along the way. So I, I agree with you, you know, to to have those mentors, to have those people that that you look up to and and. Uh, ask them to help. So it, it really makes a difference. It really does make a difference. Yeah, I agree. I think of times early on in my career and even in my later career where um, it may not even be a direct leader, like someone who was my direct manager. Yeah. But it was someone in the organization, I guess I'll use the word sponsorship, who, who was like, you know, it would be good for that. Like have Marisa get involved in that project. And I'm like, that has nothing to do with what I'm working on right now. But like, go do it. You're going to learn something. And, you know, yes. you might, you know, know a different part of the organization or a different part of the business. So I agree with you. Yeah, that is so true. And a lot of times when I talk to students um, and people who are looking to move forward, I'd say volunteer to do something that no one wants to do, you know, just take some initiative because people will see that, that you get results done, but you'll also learn something along the way. And, and, and I will say that when I think about, um, being at the USDA, you know, moving from chief operating officer to running uh, water and environmental programs was a huge change for me. But boy, you know, I learned so much about 
um, the, the inequities that we have in our country around water. And now I'm on two boards around water education and infrastructure. And that is a real passion of mine. So I never would have, uh, I never would have discovered uh, the critical need if I hadn't taken that job. Right. I mean, can we just jump into the USDA? I think that's wild. You know, here yeah. you are, like running the job corps, which I do want to get back to. Yeah. Then rolling into the USDA, so the US Department of Agriculture, and then making that switch over. Like, what was that entry point for you to even move into a role like that? I think that's wild, right? It's like, okay, let's pivot and go this way. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, um, one of the reasons I ended up going over to the USDA is because uh, because of working with rural America and a little over at the time, a little over half of the job course centers were in rural communities. And I like being at the national level with the local feel where the programs implemented locally. So when I worked at the two Maryland job course centers, I had local relationships. Um, and so that's what attracted me. And I had already overseen all of the administrative parts of Job Corps, even though I was also running a program. And this was the first time I was just doing the admin pieces. But I had like HR, procurement, civil rights, the, the budget, legislative and public affairs, like a whole bunch of stuff and this cultural transformation initiative. So I, I used the tools in my toolbox. I asked for a lot of help, especially to learn how they do things there and and then I just I was just like tenacious. I was determined to, you know, create the culture that was expected of us so that, you know, we would not only enjoy working together even more, but also serving rural America even better. And that's, you know, I used to just tell staff all the time, we work for rural America. That's what we do. Amazing. That's who we work for, you know. Um, and then moving over to water was hard. It was hard because I, I was nervous about it. Um but again, I, I, you know, I went over and uh, I had to overcome some haters, but, you know, my staff were wonderful. I, I found some people uh, externally with partners who took me under their wing and, and taught me everything, you know, and uh, it was, it was turned out to be a great experience, despite being quite, quite challenging sometimes. There's such a kernel there around don't hate the player, hate the game, right? For real. Come on. For real. What's For real. real. Yeah. Um, I do want to pick up on something, though. Ooh, this cultural transformation that you led when you're yeah. working for America and USDA. Say more about that. Like what 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 was the starting point? And then what did it feel like and look like after transformation? What did you do? Yes, yeah, so it was interesting. It was a, it was a secretary led initiative. Um, so there, it was the cornerstone, one of the cornerstones of his platform. Um, as secretary, and it was around creating a productive, conducive environment. So I was the diversity officer and the mentoring champion. So we initiated mentoring programs then. All senior executives uh, were required to be mentors. Um, I created a national training plan focused on professional development rather than sort of onesie twosies with each office struggling with a couple thousand dollars, like pool those funds and, you know, let's give everybody opportunities. At the same time, um, we were creating a more flexible workspace so that people could telework. So we were kind of navigating that in the federal space. And then we had um, every office and every field office had a cultural transformation committee. So you wow. created engaging activities like picnics or like I would do um, have lunch with Edna, you know, let's, let's have a brown bag lunch and just talk, you know. Um, 
But every committee was committed to creating events that were inclusive. Um, there was a whole track around recruitment, hiring and retention to in increase our diversity as well. So it was a whole, it was a whole um, concentrated comprehensive effort around improving the workplace, the work environment, and then in turn, um, being better servants to rural America. So by the time I finished five and a half years later, we, I think we got like most improved agency and we moved up 90 slots in best places to work in the federal government. So I felt, I felt really great about that, but there were a whole team of champions that made it happen because that's not the kind of thing you can do on your own. Um, I, I, I certainly tried to be a role model um, and, you know, tried to be positive when people were not a believer and just said, you know, just wait, just wait, because it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. And you get some people at the local level and then it just builds and at the national level to to uh, sign off on it. And then it just builds. So. Um, so, yeah, over five and a half years, that's that's where we ended up. And then I went over to water. So it was good. It was really good. What an amazing ahead of your time story, because I think <laughs> about what you're talking about right now. Right. So that was then in terms of creating this productive, conducive culture where um, actually you're attracting diverse people and creating stickiness right into the organization. Yeah. And also, you, you know, you use the term and it's been a while since I've used that, too, like teleworking. Right. Which now <laughs> today is like remote working. Anyway, yeah. not like. There's some really good lessons there because I think there's still that huge debate. And I don't know if you've been paying attention, but like, um, yeah, Zuckerberg, like it's, I don't know him, but as if I do, you know, more on it, that the year of efficiency was dropped in today where I think, I you know, talked about more productivity and then cutting even more people. Right. So not yeah. to bring it down on it. And it's about focusing on productivity. And I get, that sometimes companies do need to right size because mm -hmm. I think the more people you add, it doesn't necessarily mean you're productive. I get that. I also hope that people also don't forget this piece that you're talking about, right. which is this productive, conducive culture. And, you know, there's a lot of companies now that are saying, okay, everyone's coming back four or five days a week. If that's the culture, great, but don't lose sight of like that environment that I'm hearing you talk about which yeah. you were your time, you know, in terms of what you were doing at the USDA to just create that culture that's going to attract, motivate, inspire, you know, engage, develop, grow people. Um, I, I don't want to lose sight of that. Right. And I agree. I highlight what you just said. Yeah, and that was, I agree. That was like, you're OG in that way too. You know <laughs> what I, mean? I love that. All right. So, um, I think as it relates to moving into water, and I think I've heard you say this before, not in this conversation, but in other conversations we've had, yeah. where um, people are, I'm probably not quoting correctly, but you can correct me, people are a product of the zip code that they that they are they grew up in or where they started. Yes. Yeah. More about that. And I know there's so many touch points in terms of like the environment, in terms of access to education, but I think you said something like that to me once and it was just I intriguing. Did. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, I think I was talking about how my mom 
moved us to different neighborhoods when I was growing up. I think I went to like four different elementary schools and I didn't realize that where you live impacts how you live until I moved to a different neighborhood, a predominantly white neighborhood. And all of a sudden there's just so many resources, um, so many opportunities, you know, I mean, there are certain things you have to deal with, like being one of one of the few black families in, in an all white neighborhood and and some of the things that come with that. But it was interesting when I saw that there is a difference, because when I was growing up before, I thought everybody lived the way I lived, you know, um, butter sandwiches, mustard sandwiches for lunch because we didn't have enough. Food, right. Enough money. I thought everybody struggled. And then, you know not having everything in school. I just thought that that's how it was. You had to bring your own paste and scissors or whatever it was. And so then to move to a neighborhood where not only were there more resources in the school, but there were also more community resources. So there were um, opportunities for you to get help in other ways. And that's what I mean. You know, when you're, when you're in certain areas, it is a struggle and you, you grow up in scarcity. And, and I, I have to like fight that all the time to think in abundance and not scarcity, giving up something to have something because yeah. we can have something, you know, but my mom moving us, um, God love her because she sacrificed so much, but it changed the trajectory of my family. You know, I was the first one, but not the last to graduate from college. And I think about how my children will live as a result of the opportunities I've been given by my mom. So in my work, not only in Job Corps, but also USDA and Differenza, I'm passionate about helping people improve their lives around economic and social mobility, because you're right, it's environment. You know, often black and brown communities live in the, in the, the worst places from an yeah. environment standpoint. People don't have voices. You know, you get you have all of that healthcare, social determinants of health that come with that, um, economic growth or lack thereof, redlining. I mean, it's a whole. There's a whole long list there. But I mean, you know, it's 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 something that we can all continue to fight and work for. I mean, girl, let yes. me tell you, I totally yeah resonate with what you just said. I think about, you know, I grew up in, I'm sitting here in California, but I grew up in East LA and, you know, your yeah. English is a second language family in a Brown community. And we moved to two different elementary schools until my parents were like, all right, we're going to move to the suburbs, kind of like your story. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, wow, there's all these resources. First of all, they test you before yeah. they put you in a grade and then figure out like, you know, what resources you get. And so I think about being held back mm -hmm. and not getting access to like great education. Like, for mm -hmm. example, I always talk about in third grade, they put me in a combo class with um, second grade. And it was just, you know, I didn't feel like I was really learning. Um, but then fast forward when we moved to a suburb and we were one of the few brown families in our mm -hmm. neighborhood, just saying, right? Like, yeah, uh, it's great, but also it comes with a lot of, um, peer pressure, I think, you know, when you're in sixth grade and kids are making fun of you because you look different, mm -hmm. they think you have an accent. I know I didn't, but um, it's that and the peer pressure of still trying to to do well because your parents moved, right? Like my mom was yeah. still in LA, right? She's still going to two jobs based in LA just so that we can get a great education. And I also feel you too, from a, um, a lunch standpoint, look, we either got um, lunch tickets to have the free meal at school, you know, yeah. in our, 
our new neighborhood and or, you know, we were the thrift store sandwich kids where we would go to the thrift store with be like five or 10 cents a loaf. Mm-hmm. And our parents like, I don't even know how my parents could afford it. It would be like spam sandwiches. Yeah. That's a little up from butter. I think, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> we had spam sometimes and SpaghettiOs. <laughs> no, I, I love me some spam. I, I'm not going to lie. It is good. It has its place in the world. Yes, it does. It it's true. Does, right. <laughs> but then I think thinking about the youth and you're reminding me of like Job Corps. I know that there are many people on here who get Job Corps, but maybe some people don't. So can you describe like the role of Job Corps in helping young people? advance in life. So talk about that. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So Job Corps is really awesome because the students, for the most part, live at the Job Corps Center. So it's a campus. So sometimes students haven't had a lot of structure. They haven't lived with other people. Maybe they didn't have chores and responsibilities, um, no leadership opportunities. So Job Corps gives you all of that where you are part of the dorm community, you have responsibilities, there's um, dorm leadership opportunities there as well. And then uh, Job Corps Centers have a student government association so you can represent others, which is really pretty awesome. On the academic side, the majority of students haven't completed a high school diploma, so they have the chance to get a high school diploma and you can live an extra year at the Job Corps Center if you go to college. So you can go to college while you're there as well. In, the, in addition to the education piece, there's the industry side. So there are, I think, of like 11 industry clusters that students can choose from to begin a career path, healthcare, business, construction, IT, culinary arts, hospitality. There's, there's just a whole host of them. And Job Corps provides that foundation. So the thing that's cool, too, is thanks to all of those community partnerships, if um, someone needs to take a prep class to take the GED, or if they um, are looking for work-based learning or an internship before going out uh, into the world, you know, they're all kind of partnerships for that. Students who have health concerns, they can get uh, uh, support there as well. And to me, like one of my favorite things about Job Corps is service learning. So they're doing all kinds of community service projects all over and really learning what it's like to be a holistic citizen. So I feel like Job Corps builds citizens, you know, um, they teach them about voting, being active in the community, giving back to the community, while they're also building their own muscle and uh, realizing their potential. I used to say coming into their awesomeness. And it's it's wonderful to see. I, I love it. I love it. It's it's a great program. And it's yeah. all, all paid, you know, by the federal government. That's amazing. And I didn't realize there was a dorm aspect of it where yeah. people can actually have a good place to live while they have access to resources. And I love what you're saying too. It is about like building good citizens today and future leaders for tomorrow based on all like kind of the 360 skills. It's not just about education. I think it's life skills is what I'm hearing you talk about. Absolutely, Uh, Life skills. It's about um, leadership skills as well. They have the chance to serve others and represent others in a form of student government. Um, in addition to, you know, their own capabilities and how they might, you know, take education, whether it's the GED or take it to that next level in those industry paths you're talking about. Um, yeah. That's why I think like these are the future leaders who are going to be out. Right. Yeah. And it's always nice. My favorite was a uh, graduation 
where their little brothers and sisters or cousins and the grandma and parents were there. And, you know, they're, they're seeing their brother or sister or cousin excel, you know, get awards and just beam from ear to ear. And so again, you're, you're changing everybody that's coming after you when you, when you do that, you know? Um, and then there's a piece around uh, social action and also enrichment opportunities, you know, field trips to Washington, DC. Some people have never been out of their neighborhood, just exposing them to, um, to our history because not everybody knows our history and we're still learning a lot about black history today. Right. Yeah. I think it's, um, it's interesting. I think about it's an early taste as well. I know I nerd out on culture so much, but <laughs> giving them the tools to actually create yeah. a culture of paying it forward for people behind them. Right. Yeah. I think about like, I love that story of um, sisters, cousins, et cetera, just seeing their family succeed yeah. and then what's possible. Absolutely. Right. So let's talk about um, fast forward. Okay. Okay. So you have already started this company before you chose to leave kind of your last gig, right? Your last yeah. corporate gig. I'll just say that. Yeah. Talk about Forenza. And I'm really curious about the name too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I started it several years ago, but then it was dormant because I was so busy um, as a senior executive. I didn't really, I didn't do much there. Um, and it, it's just been kind of a side hustle, I suppose. But I, I picked the name um, because it means difference and I want to make a difference. My, my, my motto is uh, making a difference in your world. But Diferencia was taken, which is in Spanish. So Differ Differenza is Italian. So that's how I that's how I picked the name. And uh, yeah, so after I decided to retire, you know, I felt like I still had more to say and do. And um, it's funny because I work with the creative to redo my website. And uh, Liam Alexander, you know, Liam, he's amazing. And uh, he, he was looking at what I had before. And he's like, this is like a fake website. <laughs> All you have are stock photos. I was like, I know, because I was in the government, I couldn't have any hint of a potential conflict. So it's just generic. So he really helped me focus on how I wanted to show up and what I wanted to do because you can't be everything to everyone. And that's how I ended up honing in on uh, workforce development, whether it's youth education, apprenticeship, um, you know, water workforce, whatever that may be, and then community developments, especially around water access and equity. So last year was like my test year because it was my first time that I was the brand, and I know you can relate to this. Totally. Uh, I've built a reputation and cultivated relationships with people all over, public and private sector, nonprofits. And, but I've always been with, you know, Edna with so-and-so, Edna with so-and-so. So this is the first time it was me. And he really helped me to be in touch with my authentic self and how I wanted to show up as a consultant um, and where. So that was a real experience. And then just getting it set up, like I had all my files in a box that said Differenza. I was like, oh, I've been running this like I'm selling bootleg DVDs out of the back of my car. <laughs> it, well, this is a real business. Like this is a real business. Okay. Yeah. So, wow. Um, yeah. So it's been, it's been a really interesting year. And once I let people know that I was doing it, people gravitated to me. And so I'm, I'm busy I'm excited. I love I love that I get to choose 
um, where I show up and how, but also I get to choose who I work with. So I get to work with people who are as passionate about these issues as I am. And I don't have to work with any haters. I don't have to work with anyone who doesn't support people, who doesn't support equity. No, those are not my spaces. And, you know, I get to spread joy every day uh, through these projects and, and collaborations. It's awesome. I mean, that deserves a hashtag facts on everything you just said. Um, <laughs> you know, you got to give it to Liam. I, I'm hearing you say that he's played a role in really helping you yeah. get people and recognize and shape your personal brand, I think, which is really critical. And yeah. it's it's fun to hear you say it out loud in terms of like, hey, it's really about workforce development and community development. And it is about people who are passionate or as passionate about equity and people and, you know, find joy in, in supporting that. And I agree with you. I think, again, another lesson learned, I think you're a little bit ahead of your time as well. You know, you think about this next generation that's coming into the workforce today and the culture clash that I think is happening in large companies around how do they meet business needs, right? And drive results but how do they acknowledge the different generations coming into the workforce yeah. and um, providing a, a place where people can actually pursue what they're passionate about and learn at the same time. And there's so many people right now who are like, well, screw that. And, you know, an example yeah. would be, all right, the easy way, I'm not saying that it's easy, but it appears that it's easy. Oh, well, I'm just going to be a social influencer and I'm going to live my life and, you know, whatever TikTok videos and Instagram yeah. followers, um, followers that I get from the videos that I put up there, I can monetize that, which I think is cool for a while. But then once people actually find their calling, you know, and the calling goes beyond being the social being, it is about like identifying something that, yeah. you know, theme I'm hearing you talk about too, is throughout your life. It is about this growth of people, right. And helping people move to a better part in life and helping them dream to do that, you know? So how you're ahead of your time and like now you've kind of created a space where you can just define, all right, well, here are the folks I'm gonna work with and here's exactly what we're gonna work on. Um, and I think there's a lesson learned there too that it doesn't come for free or easy. It takes yeah. relationships, it takes reps. But I always say like all of this goodness and, yeah. uh, experience that you've had that has opened up this universe of people who are like, heck yeah, I want to work with Edna. Right? Yeah. I, yeah. And you, I mean, you are such a role model to me because I see how you, you live in your authenticity and I see how you treat people and make them feel welcome. welcome. And you are the cultivator of opportunities for others. You know, that it's, it's, just, it's just in your DNA. And that really, that, that means a lot to me. And I'm, I'm so happy to know you because you inspire me. And people who do that inspire me because you know, we, we need as many of us as possible to, to think that way. Because I, you yeah. know, I, I agree, I agree with what you said about the workplace as well. And there is a way to do it. And the thing is when people are happy where they work, they'll do anything for you. They'll do anything. When they feel like they're part of a team, you know, um, you're treating people with respect, you're speaking to them, you're listening to them. And even if you don't end up taking their advice, they know they've been heard. And then they right. can see where their contributions 
um, are showing up out in the world. So it's not it's not hard. I don't know why people seem to make it hard, but it's like it's like it's like going for the metric without doing the work. It's like oh, if you know. if you lay the foundation, you'll get the results you're looking for. If you drive people hard, you focus on results only in a way that doesn't value the journey or value the people, you're not going to make it. And and people will leave without even telling you why. So taking a look at high turnover rates, um, things like that, where people just vote with their feet. So right. I, think, I think in this culture, like you said, um, today, people aren't having that. No, they, they want to they wanna find joy in work and satisfaction. And there's That's just right. no reason to be mean. There's no reason. Yeah. It's it's so funny. I listen to you and, it, and we talk about this all the time when we're not on a podcast right now, yeah. but it is about like, it's common sense. It is. And, and thank you, first of all, for the feedback. I love that a LinkedIn user said, live in your authenticity. Gosh, I really hope so. And wouldn't life be better if everyone felt yeah. like be authentically them and be acknowledged for exactly who they are, yeah. right? Instead of trying to be and this is kind of a new terminology I've been playing with. Um, they get caught up in this force field in an organization of how they think they should act. Right. If they don't feel the permission or the agency to actually be exactly who they are. And, um, you know, a lot of what you're tapping into, at least from my energy, I think it, it goes back to childhood, right? I think about growing up and I think about access to opportunity. I'm always proud to say, look, I am a first generation American. My parents were immigrants. They met here. And my mom, like my, most of my dad's family are still back in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. My mom had three sisters and a brother. She brought every one of her sisters year after year. They would wow. come to the US, they would live with us, and they would leave their husbands, their families for this land of opportunity. Oh, and it would turn into like they could have been accountants, teachers, nurses, but the first person or organization that would hire them would be no shocker, like hourly retail or hourly fast yeah. food. And they would get a foothold into creating a pathway to creating a life so that they can bring their family over. And then I've watched this throughout my entire life, like watch them ascend and move up and create opportunity to bring their family and I think yeah. to me, it's personal, right? Yeah. When I think about it, Very I lived, you know, I, I saw this growing up and then you get that peer pressure of like, you know, kids being mean to you because you're different or whatever. Yeah. And like, I think all of that is a motivator to like how you treat people in life. And then especially for spending so much time in a workplace, come on, man, like you miss out on the beauty of, I, I'm going to use the differenza, right? That, <laughs> bring into a culture and like the innovation that happens as a result of that differenza that yeah. exists in an organization. So I'm fully nerding out with you right now. Oh I God. love it. I love it. You're giving me goosebumps over here. Oh my gosh. That, uh, that really resonates with me so much. And, and like you said, you know, just, just thinking about the path that a family takes and how far you've come. And, and sometimes I think the other thing is, and you may relate to this as well, being the first, sometimes you are expected to be a certain way. And, you know, like I didn't even go natural until the pandemic. This is my I first did. time having braids. Like, yes, never, I never, I never did it before. And I was like, what was I waiting for? You know, so it's really helping me to 
to come into my own as well, even as even as old as I am. I'm, I'm still learning and still um, searching for and digging into my authentic self. But I think sometimes the workplace wants to put you in a box um, yeah. based on who you are, what they think they see. And sometimes it can be hard to break out of that box. And so I think cultivating those kind of relationships where people support you, you know, like even when I, I talked about moving, um, uh, you know, to the to the suburbs, you know, I still have friends that I've had before I ever had a boyfriend, you know, over 40 years yeah. and we're still close. And so you, you have to have that squad um, personally and professionally to keep you going, because sometimes it can be very, um, very daunting. But you've got to stand in your truth and stand in who you are, uh, because that's all you are is, is you. And there's only one you. So that's this is your shot. Sure. I mean, I, I love what you're saying about inspiring people to just be confident in who you are. And I, I always say this too, like celebrate, celebrate where you came from, like really yeah. acknowledge that. And kind of what you were saying, I wasn't the first, I was the middle child. However, I am the only girl. So it's kind of like you know, two brothers. Um, and it was kind of stressful growing up because here we are in the land of opportunity. We had no family initially. And my parents wanted to create this life where then we could be part of, you know, participating in this opportunity. And yet um, they instilled really strong cultural values. I still went to culture school. My, if my brothers are on right now, they're going to freaking laugh because like every weekend we would be in East LA at um, this culture school where you learn how to cook, you learn how to dress, you learn the dances. Of course, wow. you speak language and like it was kind of this duality where I think it was maybe even a double standard where it's like we want you to be kind of what we're true to but then they're also not familiar with what we were growing into right in terms mm -hmm. of like new land of opportunity right. um but in the middle of all of that I hear you like don't lose yourself and like really yeah. celebrate that's amazing that's all you <laughs> yeah. I mean Jenna man Jenna's all about you Edna I love Jenna hi Jenna <laughs> well, you're, awesome. really, you're diving into, you know, advice, I think, for people who are here learning about either how do you build a future generation of leaders, you know, and or, you know, what piece of advice, if there's like one thing or two things that okay. people take away from our convo and from the mind of Edna, you know, what would you advise? Like, how can they create their own culture? For others. <sighs> All right. Um, the first thing that came to mind was be vulnerable. Um, that's huge. That's huge because you can be more open when you're vulnerable. And I went through a, a, a transformative um, program last year called the Atlas Project that really just opened me up and helped me to see that I don't always have to have all the answers. I don't always have to be perfect. I don't always have to know how to do something. I can ask for help and ask for support. So when you do that, people will gravitate to you and you'll just be surprised at all of the possibilities that open up when you do that. So, you know, as a leader, as a, as a person, be more vulnerable because you, you also learn more about yourself and others uh, when you do that. The second one is to... Yeah, is to be a lifelong learner. So it, it's yeah. it's really more than just being open, but being open to learning more. You 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 you're never too old. 
You're never too old to learn more. I mean, I'm actually surprising myself with the things that that I've learned over the even over the last year. So just just embrace the opportunity to learn and be ready. And then the third thing is to be your authentic self, meaning don't give away your values. You know, there, there are some core elements that make you who you are, that are important to you, that are an integral part of you. Do not compromise them for any reason, for any reason. I mean, we're talking about work culture, but I mean, for any reason. Stay true to who you are because you'll you'll be glad you did. Right. I, I think I, I hear you on the whole be vulnerable and be open and that way people can see your true self. But then I think about like this growth mindset you're talking about too, right? It doesn't mean like, you, it also means you're applying what you're seeing and questioning and curious about what you're experiencing and learning in life. Yeah. And yeah, I love this whole, you know, be confident in who you are, like be clear on who you are and what you stand for and use that as your compass. I love that. Yeah. And then and then in the times that you don't remember, that's what the squad is for, to remind you who you are, right? Oh my gosh, I do want to comment on the squad. I feel you. I mean, I, <laughs> I have potentially some squad members who are here. I think about decades in life, you know, and how there's like a couple of people who knew me when, right? Yeah, that yeah. Keep me true to who I am, right? Whether it's like all the way back growing up, um, she was like a sister to me, but she's, you know, we always called each other cousins, although we're not related, but my mm -hmm. mom and dad, long story short, had a double wedding. And then they had a daughter ahead of me, like nine months ahead of me. And then we kind of grew up together. So she keeps me true every time I see Judy. And then like Michelle, lifelong friend, part of that squad who knew me when. And then yeah. even like this guy named Jeff, who I, the very first friend I made in undergrad, right? So I can go on and on. And people who knew me at these different stages will still tell you, I'm exactly who I am, just growing up, you know, like they'll just go, yeah, that's Marisa thing. Pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I love that idea of like, kick it with your squad, right? Yeah. Know who yeah. they are, because there are days when maybe I'm not a believer in me, you know, I think they were allowed those days, but yeah. you can go, they'll be like, what the heck are you talking about? Yeah. I mean, duh, here's a mirror. Come that's on. Right. Do you know who you are? Come on. <laughs> All right. So I always have to throw a fun question in. I know we're coming up to the top of the hour. Um, I always like to talk about music or fashion, but hey, the Oscars just happened a yeah. couple days ago. Did you catch any of that? I mean, can I just use the word epic? I want to I know. So many firsts. I mean, you know, really just the whole award season to see people who haven't been seen, just yeah. step into their power and to be acknowledged. I mean, these stories, like, oh my gosh. Because sometimes, you know, when you see people who are famous, you think things have come easily to them. And I I, I really relish in the journey to, to hear that gratitude and, um, and celebration. So yeah, I mean, Michelle, like, come on, she is, she is the bomb, like, yeah, whoa. That woman can do anything and just, you know, gosh, Jamie Lee Curtis, I remember her from ages ago, you know, and still kicking it. So that just yeah. goes to show that that you can achieve your dream. You know, you, you you need a lot of support. You need to have the confidence and and face the fear and do it anyway. Face the fear and do it anyway, you know. So and then, of course, the fashion was like off the chain. Wow. I, mean, <laughs> I always love that. 
carpet. It was a champagne colored carpet, although people were hating on it. I know. I mean, something different. Yeah. I agree with you. I think the story of a lot of um, the Oscar winners, like the takers, right? Yeah. In terms of being recognized for their art, like it wasn't like their first time around the block. You know what I mean? What I mean by that is there's such a lesson learned around stay true to your passion, um, always believe in yourself and, you know, be diligent, right? If that's what you're passionate about, get in there and just go for it. And now, you know, you see the recognition. It's a first on so many levels that I think about equity maybe isn't the word. The differenza is a word. I'm going to use your word. <laughs> and like the celebration of just the uniqueness that people have. And what I also loved, because I'm such a nerd right now, is how everyone actually was truly celebratory and supportive. Yeah. What was happening in that moment, even if they were also nominated alongside yeah. these winners. I mean, I, I don't that. know. I don't know if I'm just thinking my way into that. I don't know if you experienced that. No, I absolutely, I absolutely see that too. Yeah, it's it's great. It's so empowering. I agree. It, it's wonderful. It, lots of support. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. But so besides the Oscars and the fashion, what are you loving listening to, wearing these days? Like, what's your favorite pop culture thing that you're into these days? Um, let's see. So I've been introduced to all kinds of music. My boyfriend has been uh, introducing all kinds of great music. So last week I went to a show and saw um, a guy, Quinn Sullivan, who, who is an incredible uh, guitarist. And I think he was um, mentored by Buddy Guy. And he looks like he's 12. And I, I think he's been in the music business since he's around eight and is maybe like in his 20s now. Phenomenal. And then a woman, Veronica Lewis, opened for him and she was just amazing. So wow. I'm like, I'm like into, you know, little blues, a little rock, a little soul, like that vibe. And uh, and that's been that's been really fun. So uh, just discovering like the last year and this year, I've discovered so many new artists. So it has been a blast. And amazing. I'm hoping to see Elton John in England before he uh, finishes. I saw him last year with my sisters who are the best big three. Um, yeah. But I want to see him one more time, one more time. Well, okay. So Michael and I, my husband and I had the chance to see Elton John at a benefit last, last November, you know, so he probably Ooh. played like four or five songs, but got out there with the piano and just, you know, performed as he does amazingly. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm, I'm vibing. I hear you on, on the blues. I'm kicking it old school. So I've been into, and Michael also reminded me like De La Soul, the rights I think got released. So now you can listen to them, like all of their songs now on Apple or Spotify. Yeah. And what I'm doing is like all the sampling we were driving around this weekend and we were listening to De La Soul and I'm like, oh my God, what's the sample? Oh, it's Boz Skaggs. So I'm into like playing the song and then I'm finding the original song and yep. then playing it after that. I don't know why I'm nerding out that way, but that's that kind of my awesome. favorite. Yeah. I love I, it. I love it. Yeah. Cause you know, go old school, find, exactly. find, find that, find that root music. That's awesome. Oh yeah. I mean, I think that is the theme. It is like kick it old school. And I think, to end all of this, before I thank you, I just think you are an original 
who is just bringing these great ideas and great ways of being and lessons to what's super relevant for today. It's like it's got it in your core and you've lived it over and over. So I want to thank you for being an OG and also being a person who is putting the energy out there to be yourself, but also to freaking change the world. Heck yeah, Adna. I are you. <laughs> oh my gosh, Marisa. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I don't even know what to say to all of that. You know, I'm just, I'm just doing me and I'm just so grateful for all the people that have led me along the way and helped and supported me and have friends like you, you know, keeps me in the game. And it's such a pleasure to be on CultureCast. I'm so excited and it's been fun. It's always fun with you. We know how to have a good time. <laughs> I know. I, I know. Next time, then let's do it with champagne or cocktails. That would be amazing. Yes, girl. Yes, yeah. girl. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, um, thank you everybody for joining us live on CultureCast. Jenna, throwing in one more comment. Model. Oh my goodness. I'm loving all this love. <laughs> so uh, with that, I'm hoping to see everybody at my next culture cast, which is actually next week on Wednesday, the 22nd at 11 a.m. Pacific time. I'm going to be joined by a dear friend and mentor and leader that I had the chance to work with at Starbucks. Her name is Rossanne Williams. And I hope that you will all see us next week. And with that, ciao, everybody. Go ciao. celebrate. Oh, okay. Bye. Bye.